Hey guys, before we start the show, I just want to give a quick shout out to another podcast. Welcome, dear reader, to Dispatches from the Armchair. There's so much news, and the world moves so fast. What are the big ideas and historical forces that are really shaping our world? Go deeper than the headlines with Dispatches from the Armchair. Welcome to the Speakeasy Podcast, part of the Pacific War Channel. Here we speak about history, but also silly things like anime, gaming, Godzilla and quite frankly while drinking profusely. Consider checking out the video version at the Pacific War Channel on YouTube, where Craig edits in the dumbest clips you have ever seen. Please check out our YouTube channel for Pacific War content also. Please grab yourself a drink and enjoy. Well, hello everyone. Welcome back to the Pacific War Channel. For the podcast, it still doesn't have an official title yet. It's either going to be the Historian Pub, or I still think the Speakeasy might work out. Yet again, like the last time, I'm here with my friend Ian. Hello there. And with someone you've never seen, but I've worked with before, Jason. Hi. Just realized I didn't ask you if I should use your real name. Or my alias, uh, Tupaloops? This is Tupaloops. He is not actually a cat. <laughs> no, that turns out to be my, uh, my cat, Missy, who I've been uh, using as my avatar or, or mascot. Did you have a body pillow of the cat also at home? Or? <laughs> it's in the works, once I get the merch going. <laughs> nice. And uh, yeah, actually, uh, just to, like say it again, I think we even spoke about this in the last podcast. The idea for the Speak Easy title came from you. Do you want to give your rationale again for well, why? Well, I mean, Speak Easy just sounds really appropriate. Like, I was under the impression a Speak Easy was a type of pub in old England where just anyone goes in and it doesn't matter what class you're from, what status, everyone is equal in this uh, this pub, this, uh, this area. And it just... It becomes a platform, like a, a forum, that everyone just speaks easy, and it's very relaxed, very loose, and it's just all about free conversation. And when he told me that, I'm like, that's exactly what I envisioned but for this podcast. We looked into it a little bit more, and uh, it, <laughs> Not it's that at all. Like, yeah, it's a like a pub, like during the American uh, Prohibition, and. They, they had bootleggers yeah. and, and moonshiners, and they, they would sell their product in their underground bar, basically. Yeah, it was a prohibition uh, moonshine business, but it was specifically for that. But it's still it sounds I like think, a good name. I think it could still be worked. We are doing a little bit of a speakeasy because we're in the middle of a like somewhat of a pandemic, and which I we all have masks on, and we're yeah. not three people in a house. So if the Quebec government comes after us, I guess what happening. we're doing, you know, is something like a prohibition. So in that regard, a speakeasy might work. Yeah, that is true. Okay, yeah, so we're illegally running on a <laughs> prohibition bar. Where so, we talk history and... And you know what's the greatest part about this? Unlike every single podcast I do, there is no script in this one, which is really nice. It's, it's a lot less work. here. Yeah. <laughs> so be warned. And uh, obviously I want to open it up to my friend uh, Tupa Loops. Just to speak a little bit about your channel, because I mean, come on, I'm gonna give you a shout out. It's the only reason why you came here, right? Yeah. So, <laughs> so Tupaloops is a gaming channel I started where I make goofy reviews filled with memes, and yeah, that's that's pretty much it. Uh, check it out if you're into that. 
It's it's a lot more than that. It, it, it's really cool. He's <laughs> being humble. <laughs> and like seriously, he's under a thousand subscribers right now, which is criminal. When I when you first showed me your videos, I couldn't believe the quality. You could destroy most of the reviewers right now. Oh, that's that's, that's high praise. That, hey, uh, if it happens, I'll be the first to say it. And yeah. I think it's going to happen. But YouTube is a cruel mistress right now, especially starting up. Uh, I actually know one of the biggest channels right now, they told me when I had a brief conversation with them that it's suicide to make a channel right now for the past two years, that no one can be successful. Really? Yeah, well, because of the pandemic, right? Like uh, everyone's starting a channel. Well, that and the market it's for YouTube. Not, it, yeah, YouTube is not the same like industry yeah. as it used to be. Just like, uh, uh, music industries and film industries like you either like you were in before but it's hard to get in now yeah because it's just too oversaturated yeah it's too much saturated. it's become so big it's not like youtube 10 years ago where everything being put on youtube was essentially you know creative and new and uh fresh and it's true there's not much new stuff now they're ever they're it's flooded with so much amount of like TikTok garbage and then stuff like that. You know, it's hard to find that gem in the rough. It uh, is the, the good stuff, and like their their algorithms won't have it on a trending page or like given to you. So unless like you hear like through the grapevine of like this new up and coming YouTube channel, something worthwhile to watch, like, it's, it's hard to find good stuff sometimes. But uh, it's also like just to take like suggested videos into account. Suggested videos are based mostly off of, even though YouTube doesn't like say this openly, the biggest channels. So whoever has your market, so it's game reviews, IGN, whoever it is, they have the biggest piece of the pie already. You'll, you'll never be seen statistically. It's, uh, it's like it's a losing game for the past few yeah. years. Although YouTube's changing the algorithm in the, actually in the past few months, they've done some kind of cool things with the uh, difference of tags and description, but... I don't know. Like, I still see it, like, even for myself. Like, I only got, like, 4K subs. It's an uphill battle. Anyone who has a history channel that made it a few years ago, absolutely ahead of the game, and it's hard to fight them. It's just uh, that it is. Long story short, if you're watching this, you're very lucky. <laughs> you are. <laughs> this is exclusive content. Sponsored by Goose Island. You heard it here first. Yeah. <laughs> And of course, for those of you who actually watch my channel all the time, you're probably super confused. You don't know what's going on because I'm the history guy who talks about the Pacific War of 1937 and 1945, in which I don't think I almost have any videos with that date. Uh, almost everything's in the 19th century at the moment, but we'll get there. And uh, well, he, uh, he knows quite a lot about naval battles during the Pacific War. World War II naval battles in general, uh, it's kind of like a... Like a passion for me, like a nice pastime hobby. Yeah. And, and yeah. What's, and your, what's your favorite naval battle? Uh, without a doubt, Letty. No, Letty Golf. Okay. Battle Letty Golf is the largest naval battle in human history. Mm -hmm. The the amount of people at play, the resources and machinery, like it, it, it's astounding how massive that battle was and how intricate. The Japanese plans were, which is like ultimately, ultimately like one of their downfalls was, is, and this is classic Japanese military mantra is overcomplicate things. <laughs> yeah. Like uh, where you have many moving parts, many plans, and they all have to work perfectly so that they can synchronize together at the end. And the thing about you know any 
battle plan is, is like every battle plan is perfect until you meet the enemy. And then you throw in, you know, all what they're doing and yeah, just throw it out of chaos. But like, Mighty Golf will save that for another day because that's, uh, that, that's a big a, subject. Do you plan on doing a documentary on that one? Oh, for sure. And I imagine with the course I'm going in, uh, three years from now, it's going to be an amazing episode. And by that time, I'll know how to edit properly. Uh, yeah, in that battle, uh, sister ship to the, the Yamato, the Musashi, that's where it goes down. Yeah. Terrible. It's, it's, <laughs> it's just... basically Battle of Letty Gulf is the last battle involving, uh, like, large-scale battle involving battleships. The last punch. Yeah. Of the, yeah. Like, it, battleships being used within a fleet. Yeah, pretty much. Oh, uh, you know what? Uh, since you're more of a general audience kind of guy, um, what do you know about the Pacific War? Curious. Um, so I'm not a big World War II buff. Um, but, uh, uh, I mean, besides the occasional documentary here and there, and uh, no, I don't, don't know much. That's cool. I, I was actually curious throwing you on the spot like that. But uh, <laughs> I imagine, like, it's because, like, people on YouTube, I've heard it from some of the big channels. People who watch history videos on YouTube are, like, they are history lovers, and there's a finite amount of them. And it's very, it's, even though the numbers are pretty big with the views, it's a, it's a niche group of people yeah. from all around the world. It's not exclusive to the United States, for example. Actually, it's, I was told it's Eurocentric. Mostly Europeans watch history videos, which I was surprised to see. Uh, but now that India has gotten kind of YouTube all of a sudden, now they're flooding into it. And, uh, man, they're going to be an interesting market because there's a lot to say in the Pacific War about India. So why did you decide, of all the theaters that occurred in World War II, why did you decide to focus on the, uh, on the Eastern uh, Pacific War? Uh, specifically because, oh, we all went to the same university, I just realized. Uh, we had a professor at the, I'll say, the University of Concordia, uh, Matthew Penny. He did History of Japan, Contemporary Japan, History of Genocide, and uh, the Pacific War. So he, I took his. He was the Japanese expert at yeah. Concordia. Yeah, he's tenured now too, apparently. Yeah, yeah and uh, I so I took his Pacific War class, and I was like, I was enthralled by it because uh, much like anyone else uh, from Canada, United States, Western world, you know, you learn World War Two, and it's like, oh, Europe, oh yeah. yeah, and then oh yeah, there was a thing over there, and then there was a nuclear bomb. It's kind of like oh, how we all learn it. Everyone, you know? everyone knows about Pearl Harbor, and yeah, and Pearl, even, also, even now, Midway is becoming very like mainstream, but. I mean, there, there was so much more in the Pacific than that. Uh, uh, in so, Europe, I guess you could say that there's more uh, more nations in contention. Or, you know, you have Russians, Germans, all the, the different allies and that. But in the Pacific, there weren't that many uh, uh, powers fighting each other. It was really like Japanese knockout punch in the beginning, uh, uh, removing England, uh, the Dutch, uh, French... Uh, Colonies. And, At least you're uh, aware of the Dutch. A lot of people aren't aware the Dutch were even a player. Well, uh, the Dutch Admiralty was actually put in charge of yeah. the the Allied fleet at the beginning of the war because they they came together in uh, 1941 uh, December when Churchill was staying at the White House and one of the the things that yeah that, that, we had a conversation last podcast. I, I don't know I, if I want to tell it again. The, but when, when Churchill was there for three weeks, just basically drinking, smoking cigars, and planning out the war with Roosevelt, just being a a menace in the White House. Uh, one of the things that they came up with was who would be put in charge of the the Allied uh, naval powers uh, in the uh, in the area, and they settled on a, a Dutch admiral. And even though like force wise. 
uh, the Americans uh, and the British and that, they, they had more naval assets there, but you, Americans could be in control of everything, so they they put the Dutch Admiralty in, uh, and, and yeah, uh, I mean, that's uh, one of the first night battles, uh, first massive fleet naval battles fought in uh, the night, which everyone thought was like not going to happen because the Japanese are afraid of the, the dark, as he said. Here, I'll explain this because you wouldn't have heard this, but there was uh, racism actually played a real role in the Pacific War. So a lot of Western nations, such as the United States, even Canada, a lot of the officers were told this, or the British, were told literally that the Japanese as a race would not fight at night because they couldn't see well at night. Hmm. And they had military plans that incorporated this, and they yeah, never it, thought night attacks would happen. If you're making your battle plans off of uh, cheap stereotypes, like you're, you're not going to have a good time. <laughs> My favorite, so so yeah. anyway, long story short, like uh, the Japanese attacked at night and just obliterated that entire Allied fleet, the, the, killing the, irony, the, yeah. the, the Dutch admiral and all of the higher command, and left the region, you know, ultimately in Japanese hands. The irony was the Japanese were told other things about Westerners that they were effeminate that they were afraid of rain, and that they were afraid to fight at night. So the Japanese yeah. were taught and trained to do night fights. Pleasure seekers had no yeah. duty or honor. Yeah, of course, yeah. And uh, another, the funniest one I've ever heard, and it was actually in my Pacific War class, Matthew Penning taught us that the, <laughs> the Allies were told that Japanese people were prone to seasickness, and this was because they grew up as babies on the backs of their moms when the moms would be uh, picking rice in the field, so like in a harness, and... This is not a joke. The shaking of the bag would wobble their brain in their head, and it would be deformed when they grew up. I don't know how they came across this like very complex idea, but uh, it's a sick stereotype. I mean, just stereotypes yeah. in general, like they're ultimately immoral. But um, there was a there was a quote from a guy, I can't remember who at Pearl Harbor, but he was one of the guys who's perpetuating a lot of these uh, racist tropes against the Japanese. And he has a quote where he was like, you know, they'll never attack Pearl Harbor. They're incapable. All they do is copy us when they build. He's like, their ships aren't impressive. They're just mere copies of Western ships. Like, they're not capable of building like us. And then after Pearl Harbor happened, he has a famous quote. I don't know what it exactly says, but it's, they attacked us. They surprised us. And unlike our torpedoes, theirs worked. Yeah, if I could just like uh, uh, say something about that, like uh, the Japanese just copying uh, Western ships. Uh, for a while, yes, the, the Westerners, uh, uh, England uh, uh, more specifically, was building the Japanese ships, but then like the Japanese like watching and like learning, started designing their own ships, uh, manufacturing their own ships, Quickly. and with their own specifications for the needs that they thought were, were, were more valuable. So they started uh, coming out with, Fast destroyers, uh, even faster than the Western counterparts. Uh, uh, even the way they designed their battleships. Uh, even by the eighteen nineties, they had more built specific a few. for yeah. their needs in their region rather than uh, what England needed for their navy or America needed for their navy. The Japanese uh, ships that were very uh, fluent in uh, World War Two were very unique to them. And yeah, especially just look at their torpedoes. Nobody matched Japanese torpedoes. That was. At the beginning. beginning. The Americans yes. have actually fixed their torpedoes. Yeah, which is like, what a, a bluster their torpedoes oh, were. Oh, yeah, like, so for, for uh, Jason, just so you know, um, the American torpedoes, they didn't realize at the beginning of the, the onset of the war that their torpedoes were basically 
what, 80% duds? They just didn't? Uh, more than, almost 90%. So not only did, uh, when launching your t torpedo from the plane, a lot of them blew up on impact, uh, hitting the water. Hitting the water, yeah. Uh, then they would also dive too deep, yeah. the, the torpedo. So it, like, that so, changes the trajectory. of. And the worst part about it was only 1 in 10 on impact hitting the ship would actually detonate. So you could hit a ship with, like, have a, a big wave of uh, torpedo plates. And this happened at Midway, too. Just before uh, Midway. Many Japanese Midway. ships were hit by torpedoes, but none of them went off. It was yeah, uh, the dive so bombers that ultimately did the damage at Midway. But think so about, it's, like, it's you know, quite 20, famous. 20, 30 torpedoes hitting ships and none of them detonate. It's quite famous that you'd have squadrons of hundreds of pilots with these torpedo bombers go in, 50% of them dead shooting these torpedoes and then nothing would happen and they had no idea waste of resources war. absolute waste of a pilot uh, a plane where's we the could Japanese, do this for two hours japanese like, torpedoes you opened up a can of flawless. worms <laughs> japanese and, um, torpedoes flawless all they had they they put a piece of wood on the fins on their torpedoes to help stabilize them as they go into the water so they don't dive so deep right away yeah, and so they shallow shallow water torpedoes which are extremely effective at pearl harbor and they actually detonated, you know, like, uh, on impact. Like, yeah. Um, my crazy. God, what was the <laughs> original that. question yeah. that he's, uh, that he like asked 10. about your favorite naval battle, and I, like, looked at the time, like, we ended up, oh, wow. And this is, like, maybe, how it works. Maybe we talk a bit about, like, the fanaticism of the uh, Japanese army during this oh, war. How well, many of them were willing big... to, you know, fight to the death? For the, so, for the emperor. Whew, that's a long there, conversation. The, it, it, that is a very long conversation. You can't do that in a, a few sentences. Uh, one thing I, I wanted to bring up, and anyone else out there who's as crazy about Godzilla, uh, just to, to put it out there, is it too early to talk about Godzilla? Well, no, go for it. So he comes. We're, we're gonna watch the latest Godzilla. Grew up on Kong, Godzilla, and this is like. All and he shows up Godzilla. with the Blu-ray for the last movie, King of Monsters. Um, I I have actually seen it, and I can't give away any teasers or trailers because, uh, of course, these two guys haven't seen it yet. But uh, the new one, Godzilla versus Kong. I, do, I don't know who would say anything bad about the film. It's it's amazing. It was uh, I'm beyond very, expectations. I haven't seen it yet. I'm very excited to see it. Uh, I grew up on, on Toho Godzilla. Yeah, Godzilla and King Kong actually kiss at the end. And there's a tongue, just some Spoiler tongue. Alert. Spoiler alert. A little tongue <laughs> action. Yeah. So, like, just to, to put it out there, like, Godzilla, big part of, uh, big part of me. I mean, I guess that sounds a little appropriate because Godzilla is big. You have uh, a body pillow of Godzilla. <laughs> but, uh, um... And Mothra, too. It's a, it's a weird one. You have, like, one on the left-hand side of your bed and the other one's on the right. More of a uh, Rodan. Rodan guy. Rodan. So, Rodan is the star so we're, we're, we're finally of... We're finally at the part, like, I've always wanted this, like, growing up watching Toho Godzilla. It's like, I want a big blockbuster Godzilla. And not the 1998 uh, uh, not Godzilla American thing. Godzilla. He's not Godzilla. He's Zilla, first of, uh, first of all. Oh, with a... Jurassic Park Velociraptors. He, uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Matthew Broderick. Yeah. Where it's a irradiated Komodo dragon. Uh, uh, Godzilla. I don't know what he is in this new film franchise for Godzilla, this trilogy. 
but originally he was always like a Godzilla Saurus or something like that. Like okay, some, wait, wait, that was one of, movie in the that, not just one movie. That was one decade of Toho films. There, okay, there's literally a movie if you have not seen this, and it is in the Pacific War. It's, hilarious. It's Godzilla out. versus King Ghidorah. A T-Rex size Godzilla defends the Japanese military from Americans, and then he gets attacked by battleships. Yeah, and then the, the battleships open up, uh, hurt Godzilla, Godzilla like retreats into the forest, and then on one of the American ships, because, uh, well, there's also, like, they see, like, a UFO, which is, like, part of the, uh, the time travelers that came from the future to come back to stop Godzilla from being on this island, because then, or that Godzillasaurus, because that Godzillasaurus becomes uh, Godzilla. So they put these three little baby Ghidorahs there, and then when that island gets nuked later on, the nuke the testing yeah, no, becomes no. King Ghidorah. Uh, but one of the Americans on the ship uh, sees this like UFO go over. Is like, oh, that's a story you should tell your son one day, uh, Lieutenant Spielberg. Yeah, Spielberg. And, uh, little little joke in the movie. Uh, it's so che- that movie is hilarious though. That's is that the one with the the android too? That's it, running. It's the android. Yep. Uh, oh my god, that movie. Uh, apparently, like. Japan gets like wiped off, uh, like gets destroyed by Godzilla in the future. But then, like, oh, the twist is, is that, uh, um, yeah, no, it was Godzilla destroyed Japan and like majority of the world in the future. So they come back to replace Godzilla with King Ghidorah, and then that just throws all the timelines into like whack or whatever. Uh, and he's only speaking about a single film that, was that has film. no continued. <laughs> That was the the only Godzilla film I can think of that really like played in like with time travel and like timelines and those paradoxes and stuff. Yeah. Uh, so that, that that is a big film. It can get confusing at parts. Right. You know, I have to ask: Have you seen any Godzilla films? No. I've only, <laughs> good, seen, I've only seen the 1998 <laughs> Matthew uh, Broderick one. Oh. oh my god! Where he's like an earthworm scientist, like studying I don't know what radioactivity and Ra- radioactivity and worms or something, and like how like radioactivity like changes their evolution. And I'm stuff. like trying to think of like the, the pitch for the movie. Like, oh yeah, people probably really look at CGI Godzilla. So what are we gonna do? Oh, we're gonna have him eat fish. And uh, the military will shoot him with helicopters at the end. And okay. And people like Jurassic Park, right? Yeah, yeah. We'll yeah. throw some Velociraptors in there. Little Godzilla babies. Well, these like psychopath babies come out of the eggs and just attack and eat these French soldiers. But in the end, like the Godzilla gets Godzilla uh, gets trapped on a bridge and then gets killed by missiles. Like I'm just really disappointed in that because that okay right right there. That's what separates Zilla from Godzilla, because Godzilla would not go down like a like that. You know, since trapped on a bridge, shot with missiles, no. Like Godzilla would like, shoot shoot a million missiles at him. He'll fucking take missiles all day long. To to finish a a very lengthy conversation, just to kind of like give you an emphasis on why there's so much hate for for that Godzilla. The Japanese company has been making the Godzilla films for I guess 60, 70 uh, years running. The first one was. 54? Yeah. Was it 54 or 55? Oh, God, man. People are going to hate us. 54, I'll say. I think it's, yeah. That movie was so insulting to the image of Godzilla that in two other movies that the Japanese made, they made reference to him saying that he was not Godzilla and that he was a tuna-eating, like, what, loser. Yeah, that was, yeah, they actually uh, included him. Yeah, and had, then they had, had Godzilla, Godzilla kill Godzilla him. 2000. <laughs> yeah. Godzilla 2000, and then it was Godzilla in 2010, Godzilla Final Wars. 
That's and so they, funny. they make that remark. They bring Zilla in. They call him two and, and a head or and, something. Uh, Godzilla. And it's the same model. It's the same model. Yeah, same, CGI same, model. He runs thing. at Godzilla. Godzilla literally smacks him aside and then with just the, shoots him. With the t- tail whips him into the uh, the Sydney um, orchestra. Is it the orchestra building? You know that big arch- oh, architecture. The, uh, yeah. the big building in Sydney, Australia. Yeah. The, the, uh, that that oh, very. Sorry, Aussie that very, I, I don't know. I don't know the name of it. I know which that, one you're I, talking about. That though. iconic <laughs> building. It kind of looks like our soccer stadium like the olympic stadium, the olympic stadium but yeah. it actually serves a function and it doesn't in depth our province like. <laughs> yeah. tail whips them in there uh radiation breath over that's pretty and that that's some fan service yeah you know absolute fan service and then after that there's the the alien makes the comment like oh i, I knew i shouldn't have sent that uh tuna eating uh lizard to fight You're, godzilla <laughs> since, since we can since we have a game reviewer here, maybe we want to talk about what's on your radar for your next game review, if you don't mind. I don't know. Oh, no, not all. I'll be doing an uh, Overwatch review next in 2021. I've been playing a lot of uh, Overwatch lately, uh, kind of like getting back into it. A lot of people have been getting into it with like, you know, the pandemic, looking for something, some multiplayer game to play. Yeah. And I'll pretty much be breaking down all 32 characters one by one. How it plays in 2021. And, and also kind of making fun of the game. And how salt-inducing it is. <laughs> and the changes that have been made. Well, I mean, it's... Uh, I think it's still playable. I, oh, yeah. I, I still love the game. I would still come back any day of the week. It's actually improved, because now they reinforced the uh, 2 2 2 2 tanks, 2 healers, 2 DPS rule for uh, quick play and, uh, and comp. The only thing I have to say about... Because, like, you know, I played before they even put the meta thing where they forced you to, like, pick certain comps. Like, I understand. And it's 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 identical to League of Legends. Like, League of Legends, before there was an actual forced meta, like, yeah, yeah the game kind of... I mean, yeah, rough. you could go in with, like, in League with, like, five supports, but... You chances just, are you're not going to do it. Yeah, odds are it won't be fun. Yeah. But they, it's still available, like, in arcade mode. You can still do it with your buddies if you want. But yeah. I would say, overall, it has improved the game. Definitely. And I've just realized my significant other has just come home and is trying to walk around the camera lens. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to say something. Do you want to say hello? No, you're just going to go, no, 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 no. <laughs> okay, that's fine. It's going to be funny for the audio listeners who are like, what's going on? They probably, like, I, I really do wonder if someone listens to my podcast, has never seen a single video, and hears, like, bird noises and goes, because uh, I'll say it again. There's like two trying parrots. To out what that noise is. Yeah. Because now my parrot sees that it's bird mom is here and wants to go see her. Yeah. Shaking. I might have to move it a little bit, but whatever. Carry on. How about the last review you did that I think did not get as many views as it should? Oh, the uh, DMC colon... Devil May Cry review. I was. It has a special place in my heart because, like, I grew up with those games. And I really loved the games, but my God, that freaking Devil May Cry when they wanted to do that cringy, like, asshole version of Dante, and they changed his hairstyle and they made him like. I, the only way to describe him is kind of like what they did with Jared Leto's Joker. Yeah, that's a that's a good analogy yeah, actually. Like, you I keep carrying about this. What exactly happened? Like they they tried to make like a more progressive Dante. Yeah, that's it. They wanted to make him edgier and quote unquote cooler. Wasn't he already edgy and cool? Well, he was charming and he was like affable. Plot and their hair, idea of cool is the opposite hair, of that. Apparently, uh, leather yeah. duster like that's edgy. Uh, how do how, how do you make that more edgy? 
So what did they do with the more recent uh, Dante then? Well, coincidentally, he ended up looking identical to the uh, creative director. So there are some like conspiracy theories around that. The guy did he create the character to uh, like be him? Basically, I, I, it's his, I, I'm not, I'm not gonna, his fantasy. I'm not gonna throw it out of there, but look, just look at a picture of him of his face and compare it to Dante, and there's a striking resemblance there. Can uh, can we bring that up? I've always wanted to do yeah. that. Oh, oh yeah, <laughs> let's right let's make Craig from the Pacific War Channel edit in. It's asshole Dante, you want to say? No, yeah, we're, we're supposed to is. have somebody in the corner who's like Put on, him the on the couch, that, like, as if he's just sitting there. No, it just brings up like clips and stuff. You know? We'll let the audience decide. <laughs> I just but, always um, wanted to say that. When you were going through the thumbnail ideas, because he, he he did ask me about it, I'm like, oh my god, it's such a tough one to nail because you want to make fun of the image change so much, and you went with like kind of the quartering look with like you know you do like the. The smiley. Yeah, kind of like liquefied the face a little bit, giving it like a creepy looking yeah. smile. But the, like the, the spiciest part of that review that made me laugh so hard was the ending when you finally acknowledge the funniest thing about it is that for all the development hell into that game to do like the horrendous job that they did, that they had the audacity to put that scene in where he like, you know, the wig falls on him and he goes, oh, not, you know, in a million years. And then they completely just fall back on the old Dante next game. Yeah, yeah. So let's take a million years. Ended up taking four or five. Yeah, yeah and I was a the game was a, a bit of a disaster, but it's still a good wow. game. It's still like a fun game. Well, to it's play. a Devil May Cry game. It's like yeah. perfectly fine, I'm sure. It's just obviously fans were outraged that they just took everyone's favorite character and just turned him into a douche. And wasn't that the one where it was too easy? Yeah, yeah. Although Devil May Cry Two was also a little on the on the easier side. Well, because the first one was so punishing. Yeah, like, it really hurt like casual gamers and. Screw casual gamers. Screw like, games have to have a challenge. Yeah. I'm I'm getting very bored with uh, a lot of recent games because they're they're put out and they're very easy to complete. There's no legit challenge or scaling to it as you're playing. Like you get really good at it and then it's just boring after that. That's a, that's it. Just you know, like, make sure uh, make sure there's always like, an easy option for old, people who just want to enjoy the story. Old school like yeah. Nintendo sixty four and like uh, Nintendo Super yeah, Nintendo. They never like, had any games boundaries. were tough. Games had a challenge and Superman sixty four. <laughs> Those rings. <laughs> I don't know. Like anyone grew up, you like rent this game. You're like so excited. You know, you went to Blockbuster back in the day, and you're like. What the hell is this game? Yeah, innocent 12-year-old me it found it in a discount bin back in the day. <laughs> and I couldn't believe it. I wasn't like in the loop. I wasn't reading gaming magazines like that. I'm like, oh, a Superman 64 game. A 3D. This looks amazing. Why is it in the discount bin? I just couldn't put two and two together. <laughs> and I purchased it, brought it home, and... Oh almost impossible to play. <laughs> like, how hard Oh, it yeah. Is. I couldn't get past the, the, the ring stage. It was just a broken <laughs> game. I couldn't believe it. Oh. I'm trying to think of like another game that had such like an effect like where it was like one of the few times you like brought a game back to try and get another one like immediately. Yeah, oh. it doesn't happen anymore because nowadays with game reviews you always get all like the info. Yeah, and, yeah, know, get a, a different one without like having to pay again or that. Uh, the risk taking is gone. Where you kind right. of like hey, I remember nothing those to work days with except it, it depended like who who was behind the 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 counter. You had nice people behind the counter, and then you had uh, other people, you know, like, because oh, some people like, oh, no, Superman you already rented it, like, okay. <laughs> or you would, like, uh, bring back a game, like, uh, you'd have to lie, and you're like, oh, it doesn't work. That. I used to work at a video rental place, and the guy actually wanted his money back because he didn't enjoy the movie. 
<laughs> what? What was it? Do you remember okay, the movie? That, the movie that, that's too, the, the movie was called Buried with Ryan Reynolds. And the whole <laughs> and the movie is all about Ryan Reynolds in a coffin. He's buried alive and he's trying yeah. to get out of it. And the whole thing takes <laughs> an place hour and a half a of Ryan yeah. Reynolds in a coffin. But, and it was uh, obvious from like you know the cover art and the little synopsis on the back. And I even told him before we read it, I'm like, yeah, the whole thing takes place inside a coffin. I warned him, and I said, yeah, it was a decent movie. <laughs> and he came back and he demanded his money back. He was I mean, pissed that, off. that that's like, not on expecting? the rental company. The rental company, you know, like you you rent it at you know your own expense, like. Oh my god! Like trying to imagine like the guys. You, you got to go to the studio itself. Like I want my money back for this film. You get like write a, a strongly worded letter to them, uh, whoever <laughs> made that film. Like dear Paramount. No, you write I, to I, Ryan Reynolds. Yeah, straight to Ryan. Reynolds. Actually, he probably would have uh, uh, a comeback for that. He's a very like, funny guy. He seems like open on the. Well, he's pretty open about that. the Green Lantern episode. Yeah. What was it like? Would he I, receive that letter though? That's uh, yeah. and also. Where do you mail it to? Uh, I guess Vancouver. Ryan um, Reynolds, if you're watching this. Uh... <laughs> yeah, hit us up, Ryan. Uh, I'd love to see you in the new Snyder Cut as Green Lantern. <laughs> uh, actually, yeah. That, that, hey, if anyone that could save him. Actually, yeah, maybe. That sounds actually really cool. Can you imagine, though, like, they, like, try to Because, I mean, the in. character's there, and they haven't added Green Lantern into the Justice League or that... But oh, unfortunately, Did I've heard the uh, I'm in the I've process of watching the, it. The Snyder Cut is not the canon that they're going with. And I unfortunately, guess, uh, they're going to do something. The, the DCEU is now like somewhat broken up. and Apparently there's going to be two canons. There's going to be the Snyder Canon Snyder Cut, the official DC Canon. The way Snyder Cut actually happened was like everyone voicing their opinion and like, okay, we need this. And it happened. And now, once again, there are many... Uh, Many influencers, uh, like um, Dwayne Johnson just came out. Uh, Black Adam? Yeah, Black Adam. They got and another he, person on board. He wants that in the, the Schneider verse. And so now everyone is crying out that the DCEU should be on the Schneider verse uh, uh, path. You know, like Schneider verse was the one who started the whole DC, current DCEU with Man of Steel. So, I mean, you start somewhere. Continue on with it. Don't just give up halfway. And but it's about the money, and the producers didn't think that it would actually like they they literally like, they look you, at Marvel and they're like, can we you want imagine? The exact yeah, look at, look at imagine if Marvel. Uh, yeah, like, it's a freak accident though. They they could not accent. they can't replicate that. No, no, they'll never. They're R-rated like comic book movie. It's like yeah. one of the highest grossing movies of all time. I think they're gonna do a Batman Beyond. But with... the Joker movie hardly had any element of like a a comic book movie. It was. A very it, it's well, a great, the killing. It's, it's a great film. It had a little bit of it, but like oh. it's not on like an epic scale as you think yeah. of these other superhero films. It's That's it's true. very like down to earth and plausible as a, a human story. Yeah, it's almost a different. But not genre. necessarily like superhero super villain story. Yeah, but I mean, like the biggest critique of it is I don't know if you heard like it's kind of remin reminiscent of Taxi the movie, whereas I would even go as oh. far as to say it takes a lot from it. I think it's an homage That's actually. Yeah. Yeah, and the comedian, of course. And the comedian, yeah. But I mean, it's uh, it's classy in the way that they kind oh, of like, like blended it. I haven't yeah. thought about that, and that, yeah, that works. Oh, it's hardcore. Like they they yeah. really do spin on both of them because it's like it, it really is like a melding of those stories. But it's done in such a way that it's like yeah, it's like a homage to the original work, and it's it's very well done. Like Joker's an excellent yeah. fucking. It's oh, an excellent and uh, they you couldn't pick a fucking better actor for that. Joaquin yeah. Phoenix is just amazing at whatever he does, and I remember. Uh, 
there was those two years where everyone thought Joaquin Phoenix had like gone off the deep end, like gone like batshit crazy. And that's he was just doing a, how do you call it like method acting like getting style, yeah Daniel yeah. Day Lewis style like getting into the role of uh, I forget what project he was working on but he it required was, he pretended to be like a a, a rapper an mm-hmm. actor turned rapper yeah as yeah for, and as it, for a movie or documentary yeah or exactly yeah and like it took two years of like actually going off the deep end and that like, he was like perfectly sane the whole time like this was for his project uh, but everyone was like everyone in Hollywood at that point was writing. Uh, Joaquin Phoenix off. They, and yeah. He's in all the tabloids and TMZ. Yeah, well, off you, like, okay. Like, you've seen that infamous... The, the days uh, of uh, Phoenix are over. You know, he did uh, Walk the Line and I guess that's it. Just look at that Letterman interview. Yeah, exactly. And Letterman he goes on Letterman. See, and yeah, Letterman is just... Act. Yeah, and Letterman was just like... like neither could I. Like, I actually like, fell for it. I felt really the, uncomfortable and, watching that interview. I'm like, what is, what is going on? What dedication to like sell your acting in the acting circle where like all your peers and that can't even tell that you're acting that is that is skill but that kind of grit that like so i was like saying that having film, him and joker yeah. i don't think they're going to be able to replicate it but the word on the street is that and it could be happening or not that they're going to do something like a batman beyond with michael keaton as an old bruce wayne mentoring a younger batman that's the only other like kind of maybe grittiness i could see like another joker-esque film but um, even that i don't well, know well they're they're coming out with that new batman film uh, and which actually has a looks uh, great i it, it looks great. it has an interesting really plot to it uh the riddler being the the main villain in it but from what i can gather from the trailer it's like because the riddler's supposed to be one of the the smartest people it's in confusing Gotham. He, he's up there with batman, like intelligence not... level is like lex luther and uh, bruce wade yeah. and it's the riddler manipulating all of Gotham to hate Batman. Wait, and so it, is it, it the it, White Knight story then? Where um, I'm not quite But that's Harvey sure. Dent who wait, sorry, no, that's yeah. Harvey Dent who does yeah. that where he changes everyone to hate Batman and then he becomes like the good guy in Gotham anyway. Well in this one, like you see in the trailer, like Gotham uh police, like it's Batman's a villain to them that he is arrested or killed on sight to them. Like, he's not just a vigilante that the cops work with. Uh, he he is an enemy to the the Gotham Police Department. And it's hard because that you know like he's in daylight. Like, sparkles, right? So all these all these problem. murders like start popping up, and no one can really figure them out. So they bring in a specialist who is the Riddler, and he starts orchestrating. He, he's probably the one you know or, uh, like Who's committing the these uh, murders. It's that guy from I think uh, No Country for Old Men. No, what is it? What was that? It's another uh, Daniel Day Lewis uh, movie. There will be blood. You know, the, uh, the, oh, the, the, the priest. Oh, okay, that's good. Yeah, that yeah. makes sense. Man, he's creepy as hell. Yeah. Way. Yeah, he's going to make a good Riddler. It's not Jim Carrey, yeah. but Jim Carrey can't pull that on. But, but this film doesn't happen in, like, the Snyderverse. The, the greater, like, Snyderverse DCEU with the, you know, like Aquaman. The greater Snyderverse. It's like, he's like, oh, the Kaiser. Well, I'm just saying, like, you know, like, the, like, great, the greater I, uh, Austin. I actually, Marvel, been... Marvel has their, their Marvel-verse, yeah. their, their, their MCU, and DC was doing the same thing with their DCEU. Yeah. It's not too and bad the ultimately, their DCEU was, as I'm calling it, the Snyderverse. Yeah. This is the best films out of the DCEU were the Snyder films. 
Man of Steel. I know a lot of people might be don't an like Batman. Unpopular Superman. opinion. It, I saw Batman vs Superman for the first time recently. It was the Ultimate Edition. That which okay. is extended. Yes, it's apparently with better. that extra forty minutes, it makes so it much movie, sense. Right? It changes the movie. Yeah. What I, I heard they it, cut out the scene at the beginning. It makes sense without it, and yeah. that's why like the entire population who saw it was like, "Oh, this is a terrible film." They just throw you all over the place. Yeah. It doesn't have any like. Build cohesion. up and your cohesion. Yeah. It just seems so flawed. Which is right? the problem with Justice League, also. <laughs> well, no, that's a a problem with uh, studios not giving their uh, the people who make these films enough like patience and like uh, faith. You know, like they made this movie. Let's let them put it out the way it is intended, instead of like having to hack off forty five minutes because these studios think they know what people want. Well, and unfortunately, is, that is, that is the tragedy. It's money. Of it. I mean, it's how it's, many times can you play oh, the movie in the theater? The too, you know? They they play this herd where they're like, oh, uh, audiences will not sit around to watch this. Uh, this movie's this long. Let's let's take a, a a moment and just remember how successful Lord of the Lord Rings, of the Rings is. Avengers Endgame. And people who who like Lord of the Rings, they don't watch the cut down version. They only watch the extended version. Did they version. ever do, imagine like an extended version of theater. I'm sure they've done it in some local theaters or something, but my God, that's like uh, four I, hours. Seeing Lord of the Rings for the first time, or uh, I'm one of those people, like when it was in the theaters, I saw each film at least like close to a dozen times. Okay. That was, how many times fellowship, how many times two towers I, and I, return of the king. At this point, hundreds of times. Cause oh yeah. It's, it's so local. It's our drinking game at this point. Right? It's only a, it's, it's only a yearly thing. It's a Thanksgiving tradition. Oh my God! Should we explain to the audience? Okay, so there's like a, a Thanksgiver tradition. Did, oh, you explain explain Thanksgiver tradition with Thanksgiver uh, started when we were. We <laughs> I'm gonna were call young. that the title. When we of were this, young, the story uh, of Thanksgiver. We were, we were in our uh, <laughs> we were in our young twenties and uh, we're still, we, were, we were working in kitchen. We're tonight. still in our young twenties. Yeah. Yes, <laughs> young thirties. <laughs> Who can tell? Uh, so yeah, we're working in kitchens, and uh, we all like I forget how it happened, but we all had nowhere to go for Thanksgiving. Like my parents were at their uh, uh, their summer spot, and I had the their house, and just invited all the close group of friends over, and we're like, you know what? Let's do our own Thanksgiving. You know, like we'll go get a turkey. Um, I, I was the chef for it, and it's just like so we, we left. came up with this idea after like it's maybe like four in the morning. Like we finished work, and you know we're we're having a, a fun time or that, and we came up with the idea. Let's have Thanksgiving tomorrow. Okay, so we're just gonna tell the part of the story he doesn't know because he was unconscious. <laughs> it might be slightly embarrassing, but you know he got like wasted as hell the night before. So a bunch of us were very serious about this event. So we show up <laughs> to his house. To, none of you knew what how to make a turkey, so yeah. it's like it's perfect. <laughs> we show up to his house. We're trying to wake him up, and he, he just won't get awake. We manage to get him to wake up, and we bring him to the kitchen, and we're like, we're gonna go buy the food. Well, for and you then to they cook. asked me like, okay, what? Do we need? What do you? What do you need, need. to make this turkey happen? And, and you were like, yeah. I gave up. I gave you guys a pretty okay. making uh, whatever pound turkey we had. You know, six hour <laughs> meal. Fuck. You and, were so angry when we woke you up. Like, what's going on? 
I I recovered and we had a a great Thanksgiving meal. We actually uh, uh, it, it was a blast and and made a lot. It of was food. the it was start of a, a tradition were, called. That was the one uh, you were at, I believe. It ended up what? in the basement with the Lord of the Rings game. Yeah. Okay, so the tradition of Thanksgiver, other than the drunken mess at the cooking was, but it's a Thanksgiving meal followed by the most entertaining game that we ever came Which up with. I'm sure a lot of people in the audience have actually had similar stories. Yeah. It's a drinking game. But we would do it always on... That was the tradition for Thanksgiving, that you always follow up the meal with Lord of the Rings, Lord of the Rings drinking game, as we call yeah. it. And our drinking game was, if you, I remember the first one. which film you want. Like, you know, which one we've been well, the, doing more. The first time, I think we did Return of the King. Return of the King yeah. is like the hard mode one. Yeah, it is the hardest. But well, basically, you, you choose wanna, a character. and Yeah, you choose, tell the rules of it. Oh, man. It's, I'm trying to say this politically correct. Uh, this is a different age. Um, so <laughs> the rules, as far as I remember, was if, if okay, Gandalf made any inclination that he might do something sexual with one of the hobbits, that was a <laughs> shot. If Frodo or Sam looked at each other in a certain way that looked like they were about to make out, that was a shot. It, it was very simple. Um, if just started off, uh, you pick two characters and it, yeah. it would be from a hat. So everyone would get one main character and uh, it's also depending on the film and how many people are playing. Yeah. Cause you know, you, have Frodo uh, so you get, you get one character and the main characters are like Aragorn, Legolas, uh, 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 Gimli, uh, Gandalf. Uh, those are your main characters. And then you would get like a, a secondary character, like. Let's say Denethor or King Theoden. Aomer. Aomer. Uh, uh, and the rule was, it was very simple. You have to take a chug for every single time your character does uh, something epic or something very sexual. <laughs> that, that we deemed was, you know, Which had like some sort of sexual you were like drunk at yeah. the time. You yeah. know, and he's like... Gandalf, like yeah, don't giving, choose Gandalf. Gandalf giving a look to the hobbits and then starting to like chuckle. It's like Yo, you know what what Gandalf's thinking of. That like, scene with Pimpin where they're looking at the mountains and they're on the balcony, and for some reason no, he's behind Pimpin. And, well, and, and, and so then then watching the films with your buddies, then it would be like, oh, you no, you got a drink, <laughs> you got a drink, and then of course you have like uh, the speeches in the film, like Aragorn giving his speech of like. Uh, a day shall come when the courage of men fails. Is like you have to drink like two, three beers during that. You know the rules were made yeah. at the moment. <laughs> oh that, yeah, I had a pretty very bad Very simple. One. Drink whenever Legolas says something obvious. That's a bad one. That that one killed me. What would, I don't even uh, remember who had Gimli. What would Gimli? Harry. Uh, my brother Harry would always have uh, Gimli. It's his favorite character. <laughs> and Gimli did a lot of like stupid things in the film that could also be deemed as like okay. Uh, <laughs> Sexual isn't a great way of describing it. It's, it's basically like you have if a character does something really epic or if the character is just doing something really like funny and like you know you can make fun of and or it's just like oh my god it really turned into like whenever a character speaks I hope there's people in the audience who like are watching or listening to this are like I play that game with my friends all the time drinking games all the rings that's just what it was uh, we're calling it our Thanksgiving tradition Probably figured it out off some like YouTube channel back then too. I bet you there was something going on with it. Oh, and my parrot is here. All right, I'm gonna grab him. <laughs> wow, you just lost.
towards us. All right, please don't bite me today. Yellow. I I'm not gonna. Okay, I'm not gonna pluck your feather. Uh, actually, we've uh, I think we've gone over the forty-five minutes. All right, you want to play us out, Mr. Parrot? <laughs> well, as this, always, this, this has been uh, either the Historian Pub Podcast Historian or the Speak Easy. Easy Podcast. And another shout out to my friend Ian, who God knows if you ever make a YouTube channel or something. I don't know. I don't think I can now that you just told that story. Uh, you could probably story. be a guest on. <laughs> you should be a guest on Drunken History. Yeah. Well, here's a I, shout out. I to, would have a time. Yeah. A shout out to Tupaloops. Go check him out on his channel. His reviews are meme fueled and they're fucking hilarious. And you should watch them. Uh, over and out. Why did Bye, you have everyone. to fly? Why did you have to fly to us?